for World of Work podcast with James and Jane. Hi everyone, this is Jane. And just before we get into this episode, I want to remind you of all the really great stuff on our website at www.worldofwork.io. Over there, you can check out all the online seminars and workshops we do, as well as our team development programs. You'll also find articles on topics to help you thrive at work. So that's www.worldofwork.io. Now let's get on to the episode. Hello, this is James. And this is Jane. And we are here again today with another episode of a World of Work podcast. Jane, what are we focusing on today? What's our context? What's our, what's our focus today? Oh, James. Well, today is another episode in our series on management challenges. So those of you who listened to these before, and I know some of you have been listening, so that's great. In this series, James and I are picking out some situations that either of us have experienced in real life in management or that we know uh, managers quite often face. And we are having a conversation about where we've experienced them and how we might address them and things that we think are relevant to think about in those situations. And it's always a little bit interesting when we do these because we haven't prepped a huge amount. They're very much just conversations like two managers would have or like you would have about a situation at work with your peers. And it's really just a chance for us to explore a little bit of a topic as well. And sometimes we're not even sure which topics we're going to talk about that day. So you're getting us at our rawest, which uh, I know a lot of you have said that's something you quite enjoy hearing about our initial perspective. And so that's what we're doing. We're doing a management challenge episode today. And what are we talking about today? Well, we are talking about rebuilding self-confidence when someone in your team has lost a bit of confidence. And James will talk a little bit more about that. But just as I said, we'll talk a little bit about the context. We'll share a little bit about our own personal reflections where we've experienced it how we've approached it if we have, and then do a little bit of a dive into what dealing with this challenge might look like before, as always, summarizing of what we've learned from today and then getting out of here. James. Yeah, brilliant. Thanks, Jen. Um, I think of these as kind of like manager problem sessions. They're kind of fun. So let's see where we go with it. Today, though, our context, we did try and pin it down a little bit in advance. So we're pretty clear on it. And we think that the situation we've got that we're focusing on today is that you're managing a team it's competent, it's delivering fairly well, things have been going pretty well for the past few years. But one of your team members has been off working on another project that ultimately failed to deliver. It was closed down. And they were sort of seconded to this team. It, it didn't work out for them in that project. And they've returned to your team, but they've lost their confidence. They're kind of not who they were. So you've got a good relationship with them. You know that previously when you worked together, they were confident and contributing and trusted and dependable and, you know, well-contributing members of your team. And, and you kind of think they should still be. They still seem to be capable. They can still deliver pretty well. They've just lost that confidence in their own ability to do stuff. So they're less confident in terms of their technical knowledge and, and their decision-making, as well as their ability to collaborate, build relationships. So like, of course, the whole board, it's kind of like the rug's been pulled out from underneath them in terms of their confidence. And they don't really want to like take the lead on stuff. And then they're sort of stepping back. They've been asking more advice, more support, more approval, more guidance from you, just needing more from you to help compensate for that lack of confidence. But it's not comfortable to take things on really at the minute. And you'd love to help them get back to being that sort of competent self that, that you think they are. And that's our sort of situation for today. And we're going to just explore a little bit about that situation and what you might be able to do. And as Jane said, we're just kind of chucking out some ideas and, and really talking it through now. 
But before we share some of the things we might do in that situation, Jane, if that were us or if we were advising somebody, have you been in that situation? Has that been you? I can never imagine you having lost that much confidence. But have you been a confidence-lost person? Have you managed somebody who has lost confidence? Have you, you know, coached or worked with teams where that's happened? So I was thinking about this, and I've been in all three scenarios. So I've been the person who's lost confidence. I've been the person managing the person that's lost confidence. And I've also been the person that has ultimately delivered the news that the project has failed. And therefore, a lot of the loss of confidence has been kind of, I felt like it's my fault, even if it's not necessarily my fault. I felt I've had some hand in it. I don't see a lot. I haven't seen it recently, but certainly earlier in my career, particularly earlier in my management career, I saw it on two occasions. One in particular is very memorable when I was managing someone and A, really struggled to get over the guilt of putting them up for that project, even though they wanted it and they were ready for it. I knew it was going to be difficult. It was my first chance at letting someone else into my work area. And yeah, it was hard. It was really hard for them. And if I'm really honest, I found it quite hard to know what to do and sort of get over my own guilt of putting them up for that project and then and actually helping them move forward. And it was just, it was a little bit sad. Like I felt a little bit like I'd robbed this person or I'd somehow been responsible for them losing. But actually with reflection a few years later, I realized that I just, there's a couple of things I should have done differently as a whole team and also for this person that would have really helped. But I also see them now as much more of a part of, a learning journey generally for lots of people. So yeah. So yeah, I have. What about you? I was thinking as each other and I've got a few kind of connections with this on I guess a personal confidence type of thing. I guess like probably a lot of people, my confidence goes up and down all the time. And sometimes it's based on real factors. Sometimes it's based on just the stuff that goes on in my head where I'm like, yay, I'm great. I'm gonna do this super well. And then like the next day I'm like, oh what am I doing? I can't do any of this stuff. Who am I? So I get that up and down. But that trending piece is is like longer trends of unconfidence. It happens occasionally, but not a huge part of my own experience. I'm just going to jump into that because I think there's something really interesting that literally has only just occurred to me in this moment, which Mm. is that in my own experience of it, when I've lost confidence, I now realize how much that taught me from a very practical sense, as well as all of the stuff about how to sort of be a bit more resilient in terms of confidence, like the practical things. I almost, those moments of feeling lacking in confidence, like super turbocharged my learning experience because it hurt so viscerally at the time to feel like I'd lost my confidence that I was like tenacious in trying to figure out how to really avoid that ever happening again. You just literally brought me back to a moment where I was like, I never want to feel like this again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get that. And like often there's, for me, when I've been in situations where I've lost confidence, there's this sort of like hubris type thing as well, like kind of beating myself up for having been confident before as well and all those layers. That, and like, there was I like, thinking that was just a, being raised as a Catholic. I thought yeah, that was just I, I think, No, no. I mean, maybe that's deep everywhere, but definitely something. And have I seen this specific thing with others as well? I've, I've not seen this specific example of, I think, people being seconded out and coming back less confident. But I've seen examples where People have lost confidence in different ways. And I guess one of the things where I've seen it maybe a bit more often is where, for example, people have been seconded into things I've been doing. So throughout my working life, I did a huge amount of project work. And quite often there would be people who join a project, which I guess is on the receiving end of this context. They, they join the project and they are super confident and you know they've spoken well and demonstrated skills and have a career history that will help them. And they get involved and, and they're confident at the start. 
But then after a few weeks, maybe they realize that things are complicated or difficult or it's not all quite as easy or as wonderful as they thought this type of world might be. So I, I've seen people sort of spiral at that transition stage a little bit about low confidence that they convince themselves that it's an easy thing to do and you know they've got all the skills and all that stuff and then then that kind of ebbs away. And then I guess helping them build that up and learn and, and deliver is, is something that you need to do almost as part of that team building piece if you're in a project type delivery space, which is a bit different to our focus today, but it's, it's probably the closest I've been to this. It is a bit different, but I just want to pick up on something you said, because I is it yeah. you know this better than me, James. What's okay. that effect where you don't know what you don't know until you don't know what you know? Dunning-Kruger is like overconfident based on their skills effectively. Yeah, but I think there's something really interesting about what you were saying about people coming into that room and yeah. not knowing what it takes to do that well. And if you haven't been prepped or supported to understand that, you're yeah. much more likely to have that crashing moment because you're like, whoa. I thought it was so simple. Of yeah. yeah. And I've been yeah. sounding off about how I can do it. And straight away, you're on a back foot then. And yeah, I don't yeah. think well, stuff first, is in a good place. No, particularly if like the first few things you tell right, because it seems simple, kind of lead you to crash into a wall or it goes down. I mean, we've all been there. We're like, yeah, it's obvious. I'll do this. When people are like, oh, yeah. well, no, no, of no. course we tried that. What do you mean? <laughs> so, yeah, so, so yeah. That, that's something I've definitely, definitely looked at. So yeah. why don't we look a little bit about like ways we can think about this or things we might want to reflect on if we're in that situation and looking to help somebody with this confidence. I guess I want to start by checking out to you. Have you got any sort of questions or, or things we should reflect on or ask ourselves at the start of that to understand that situation a little bit more? You, what do you think? How, how can we be kind of a bit clearer on what we're really dealing with here? Well, I think you have to understand there's a few things. And I guess my first point as a manager is always and will always be, from my perspective, I always take two approaches. One is what can I find out that I don't mm-hmm. know? So mm-hmm. do I understand what led to their loss of confidence what sort of, what, what are they not confident about? How are they feeling or experiencing that? And the second thing is always, just because it's who I am and I think it's probably not a bad place to start, what would I have done if I had been them and what could I have done differently as their manager to help them succeed in the project? Because for me, I think there's something really important about getting to the bottom of what actually went wrong to help rebuild that person's confidence in you as a manager and maybe something didn't really go wrong what was to do with them like projects get pulled all the time stuff happens that maybe isn't really a wrong thing i know that's a bit of a cul-de-sac of chat i've checked no, i think it's a really really good point because actually if someone comes off the project when you're really close to it you might not be able to get that distance and you also might be beating yeah. yourself up and going oh well i think it wasn't my fault but surely it was my fault at least in part yeah. and if your manager if you can trust your manager and your manager's response. So if as a manager, you can say, I've looked at this and this is my professional opinion about what went wrong, then at least you're building that trust between you and your person again to be able to start investigating what's going on with their self-confidence. And I think because one of the things I've definitely seen is that person totally felt until we talked about it and they didn't necessarily consciously feel this way, but they felt like you put me up for that project. And I had told them they could do it. And so they were like, well, if you thought I could do it, why should I trust you when you tell me I'm good at everything else? And I'll be honest, again, I hadn't thought about that until we literally just having this conversation. Mm. But I remember that conversation and I was like, yeah, fair. 
Yeah. Why would you trust me telling you you're great? Because I told you yeah, you could do that project yeah, yeah. and it went wrong. Now, of course, you potentially have that sort of breakdown of relationship and maybe sort of resentment that slips into it and trust and all that lovely complex stuff. I think that's helpful. I think, so where would you start with that conversation? I think the word sums it up. I think I'd try and start with a con- conversation. I, I guess I think we can sort of perceive that other people have confidence challenges or, or that we know some of the root causes of these types of things. So, so I think I probably, at the very beginning, I'd try and have a little chat about this along the lines of, how are you doing? Maybe I've noticed that some of your behaviors come across as if you've lost a little bit of confidence. Does that feel the case? Could you tell me a little bit more about that? Is there, you know, is there anything else going on that would be good to talk about and try and understand if this, like what this really is, so that little bit of sort of root causey stuff would be really good. I'm trying to unpick some of that, I think would be helpful because I think we could just assume that it's certain things and, and maybe it's something else. So trying to, assuming we're in a good sort of trusting place for them, have that sort of open one-to-one trusting conversation, bit of a heart-to-heart, like, how's it going? What's up? Those are so, official good phrases I would use, by the way. So listeners, this is the point, as happens quite often in our podcasts, where I say what he said, not what I said. So I think James is completely right. And that is a classic example of where I went wrong quite often as a manager. I would try and solve the problem without talking to someone. And 100%, the first place to start is a conversation with the person about if indeed it is a self-confidence issue. And if it is a self-confidence issue, getting them to put it in their own words and articulation so that you can understand firsthand what that experience is and if it's not what it is. And you always start there, always. Absolutely everything I said is also useful, but 100%, you start where James said, start with the person and have an open conversation. If nothing else they are in a space where they know you care enough to hear from them and you get some extra information from them first. So moving on. <laughs> James, next what are we doing up, next? Yes. <laughs> well, I was toying around with this the other day and thinking about it. And I guess if I can sort of cut through some of the stuff around the edges, part of me sometimes thinks that if you get into a situation like this, the context matters, the history matters, things could have potentially shifted so much that it's an irrevocable situation. So we might want to help somebody boost their confidence and return them. But maybe, like maybe in some of these instances, the best thing for everybody is if they transition somewhere else, another role internally or another role externally. I've seen so many people who are good at what they do, highly capable, generally motivated people who find themselves in roles that that do erode their confidence. And that can be a function of their cultures or their experiences or the specific ways of working with their stakeholders or whatever it happens to be. But we get to this situation where they lose this confidence and and it's almost like gaslighting because the whole world around them is confirming to them that they should not be confident in these moments. But I've seen these people in some instances or in many instances move to a new organization or a new team in the same organization and that can be transformational in itself. And they can go back it's, to being high-performing people quickly as a result. So I guess there's a little bit of like, what do we want to do here? Like, how much do we really want to fix this? And how much do we want to address the root cause and have them move? Right, back. So I think your point is really good, James. And I think it provokes, I guess, two really important questions for you as a manager. One is a little bit of an honest self-heart-to-heart do you really believe this person is capable of the things you're thinking about within this role? And do you really have confidence in them? And being honest about that with yourself, because in all likelihood, 
your opinion of them in some way is likely to have been shaped by that project and that experience. And it's, it's what you think you bring back to. And I think the other point you make, which I think is super important, is it realistic in this environment that this person can regain their self-confidence? Because it's all well and good to want to help someone regain that self-confidence, but you can be fighting against a really, really difficult tide. If they've lost the trust of the team around them or senior stakeholders, I was talking to someone literally, it's so funny we're talking about this because I was talking to someone a couple of weeks ago, brilliant team member, senior managers just lost faith in them and that's not going to change and that's not something you can control as a manager. You can try and you can fight for them, but actually a really hard conversation is, is this the right place for them to rebuild versus going somewhere where they have a different environment? So I think it's so important you ask that question and you raise that. Um, So yeah, definitely. There's something in there about sort of perception and reality as well, because even if a reality is that they're a good, competent person, if senior people, sponsors, customers, whoever it is, somebody's got the perception that they're not, then that whole extra burden of observation and challenge or whatever comes with it raises their attention, raises the recipient of information attention. It can just be a spiral that makes it kind of rubbish for everyone. So maybe you just get out of there, you know, have the, hmm, let's start again. I have had the good fortune to be really valued by a couple of senior leaders in my life who I have been very aware are not great at this. Like they love you until you make a mistake and then they don't. And I've had people in my team where I've been like, now I think about it, where it's been, it's not necessarily been they've lost confidence, but definitely they're not, they don't have the credibility in the organization or the broader department because that senior leader doesn't rate them. And now I look back and I think, was that ever going to be an environment that they could do their very best? And is it any surprise that their work wasn't always like totally like in the moment and that they didn't stay as long as I expected? Now you've said that it's opened up a whole different sort of thought pattern of me of how do you deal with that and how do you judge the scenario? And also not, I mean, you've talked about this, I'm going to steal your point, but not also almost be parental about it, but actually engage that person in a conversation about the climate and the environment of the team and whether they want to work on retaining governance. It's so easy for managers to slip. And I do this and I've told you this. I slip into that, like, I'll do it to you. Yeah, You've lost right confidence. Me, right I'll you. fix yeah. it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And also what's right for you is the best thing here. And I yeah. think we often talk about this. There's such a bravery in helping support someone in their career beyond the organization that you work for. And that's not always popular with HR and that's not always popular with larger organizations, but my word, it's important. And the people who have championed my career beyond the organization are the people who I am at 47 years of age, still grateful Mm -hmm. to. And some of the phrases, like just as you you were chatting, I was thinking about some of these terms that are out there. There's the Pygmalion effect and the Golem effect. I don't know if you you know those ones, but like you see them popping up and there's academic work on them and like everything, it's supported by some and disputed by others and whatever, we're not getting into that. But basically what the Pygmalion effect says is that if you demonstrably have belief in somebody, they will perform to a higher level. And the Golem effect says if you demonstrably disbelieve in somebody or think that they will fail then they're more likely to fail, right? Like, So our own capabilities are only part of that puzzle of our ability to deliver and the context and belief of others and the way we interact and all that stuff makes a difference. In the same way that halos and horns effects make a difference, right? If I'm a senior leader and I think Jane is great at filling in spreadsheets the way I like, then you know what? I'll also think Jane is great at all this other stuff. 
So I'll expect her to be good. I'll give her opportunities, all that. But if I've come across Jane and she sent me an email with like six typos in it, I think she's useless at email writing, but also probably useless at everything else that she does. And that complexity of relationship means that we can, I think, find ourselves in situations that are hard to... It's like you work with me, James. Sometimes sometimes it's like, you know, you really well at work. (laughs) No, your point is 100% right. I guess going back to the topic of the podcast, what I think both of us agree on is sometimes the answer for rebuilding someone's self-confidence is helping them find somewhere else where they will be in the best, most conducive environment to do that. Yeah, really well summarized. That's exactly where I was sort of thinking but didn't have that, that specific articulation so i got another question for you so so we've talked about maybe mm. should they get should they not whatever you brought up the word adult just a second ago sometimes if we get involved with trying to help somebody boost their confidence or something we do take on a little bit of that potentially paternalistic role how do we balance the risk of being you know doing something special for them having like an intervention-y thing, putting them in special measures, giving them extra care, and not having that attention from us and that support in itself be a reducer of their confidence. How do we like this? Like two I'm times smiling. Those of you listening, but... rather than looking at the screens, I'm smiling because I can't believe James is asking me, who is dreadful at this, <laughs> the question. But it's a good question, and I'll give it a shot, and then you mm. can build back. I think, for me, what I've learned from getting it wrong a lot a lot. And I particularly got it wrong where people were earlier in their career than me. I was much more careful with people I was managing who had been around the block longer, around work, because I was much more considerate of this generally. But what I learned, I think, is number one, I hate to do this, go back to goal setting. They have to Mm -hmm. accept the goal, right? So they don't have to come up with the plan. They might not have noticed it's self-confident issues. They might just think they're terrible right? Rather than it being a self-confidence issue. But they have to accept willingly and embrace that they want to get that back. And I definitely think that. And I think the other thing that for me was I mentally, I used to frame when I got better at it, I used to frame it as we're a team on this. So what's my bit that I can do? But crucially, I used to think about them being the captain of that team. I guess is what I'm trying to say. So if it's their self-confidence we're trying to build, I'm there. I can absolutely give them suggestions about how I could play a role, what they might do. I can give them space and place to decide how to lead the two of us through that. And sometimes we'd recruit other people. I'm not the right person to help you with this. Maybe get some help from one of our more politically savvy colleagues who really would get this stuff and help you jump back on the horse, so to speak. For me, it was always, this is their goal. They might not have identified it because they haven't worked out and I can do that and that's fine, which is really similar to goal acceptance. But they need to lead the charge. They need to be making the time with me to improve it because actually I think things like self-confidence have, if you want to improve it, it's got to come from you. It's got to come from the person who's having the challenge. And uh, but the idea that I learned that anywhere near the first half of my career. But yeah, that's what I would say. And I think that actually lends really well for personal development generally around soft skills. I think you start telling people what's wrong with their soft skills and they've got to improve them, then you're not going to get very far. I'm not even sure I've learned this stuff yet, to be honest. I, I like, who knows, I'm just figuring it out. But as you were chatting, I, I scribbled down a few things and they overlap hugely with where, where you ended up with that conversation. So my verbatim notes are, let's see if we can decipher this, more coaching, let them know, ask them, they own, decide, accept. 
So I don't know if I was just writing out keywords from what you said and pretending it was my idea. I don't think I was. I was I was actually thinking along the line as well, but we never know. Maybe that's just me. Can someone please clip up the last two minutes and be like, this is James and this is Jane. <laughs> Wordy um, summary. So, yeah, I'm going to elaborate on those 12 words, whatever it is. I definitely think that if we go in and provide a solution, then that can in itself reduce somebody's confidence in the longer term. And I think by moving more into that coaching type of space, that questioning type of space that lets the person you're speaking with tell you what they need, some control over the situation, have some of that decision-making over the situation, reach the conclusions, initiate actions, call on you for assistance when needed. I think that shifts power to them and through that or control, I should say, more than power, I guess, in, in that situation to them, which can be, I think, an enabler of helping boost that confidence. But balancing that without leaving them feeling unsupported is, I think, the trick there. So making sure they know they're supported as well. And I think we're both sort of like circling in the same space about helping them accept and own and initiate and lead this stuff while knowing they're, they're supported. I think it's like a lot of objective setting, goal setting. People don't have to come up with a plan. But my word, they have to buy into it. Mm. And the more they buy into it and then are given freedom and ownership to drive that, shape it, adapt it, I think there is something about a manager saying, as long as you want to continue to work on this, I will continue to support you to work on this. I think that is an incredibly empowering thing to someone. And I think that creates a whole lot of other challenges, which James, you've like, I know we're going to do another podcast about it. It brings a whole set of other problems, which is like, as a manager, how do you then keep the team going while someone else is taking quite a long time to get back up to speed or get back up to energy levels? But I think that's quite a common issue for a number of reasons. But I think, I just think the, the I'm here as long as you want to move this forward is like, in some senses, that from a morale point of view kind of is such a confidence boost because it's like saying well this is how much faith i've got you'll get there i'm just going to yeah. still be here and freeing up my time to help you yeah yeah i'll support you i won't necessarily rescue you but i'm here i'll help you own your way out of this i think to what extent james do you think it's important if at all or helpful to revisit the scene of the crime with that person so to what extent do you think, if it is or not, helpful to actually think about that project that went wrong? Is that Does that matter? Do you think that's a part of it? Or is it better? Do you think it's better just to leave it in the back, in the history, in the past? That's the word. Yeah. I mean, that's a big old question that I think goes into all kinds of coachy type things that are a bit beyond my competence. My instinct is that I would do a brief reflection to acknowledge and to look a little bit for root causes and probably if they wanted to go down that route to support a reflective set of conversations around lessons learned things that could be different if i were going down that route which i think i'd maybe be led by the person i was speaking to i would then if possible empathize talk about situations that i'd been in myself where i had been part of things that failed and actions I took and, and things around that, because I think bringing the, the sort of human element and recognizing that everybody fails and everybody makes mistakes and destigmatizing failure through that sort of postmortem process, looking for lessons learned, turning that difficult situation into insights that 
that could help us do better in the future could be a really enriching conversation provided you did destigmatize the failure of it and help people realize that they're not alone. So I'd be fairly okay having that conversation, but I would want it to lead itself to focusing a little bit on the future and what do we do differently and how do we turn this into a good thing. I'd have a conversation, but I wouldn't have it. I'd keep it as much as I could away from conversations about blame and things like that and try and focus it as a learning and fact-finding conversation. But what about you? Would you look backwards or just forwards? Or? So I definitely look backwards individually as a manager, mm-hmm. even if I didn't include them necessarily with it at that stage, because I'd want to, well, as I said at the beginning, because I'd want to figure out grandiose little brain here would be like, what could I have done differently? What have I done wrong in all of this? There's like a little bit of me, and maybe I shouldn't say this, a little bit of me would be like, maybe I want to find out a little bit, because maybe they did totally make like a big mess of it, and maybe they shouldn't be trusted. Maybe I need to get to the bottom of this to pin down my relationship with this person. I definitely think there's something about the confidence you can build in your own opinion and in that person's wider skills if you can pinpoint where things went wrong. Because I think, A, you're more credible. So if you go and say, look, this is my professional opinion of where it's gone wrong, I think that's really helpful, as I said earlier. But I also, as you say, think it also allows you to make sure, yeah, no, I am a confidence person. I can see how this happens. And it's really not their problem. I think what I would say, going back to your point about future anchored, I think one of the things I think is really powerful, and this is your phrase that I am shamelessly going to steal, the power of the process, I think is massive, right? So I think one of the most amazing things you can do for someone is help anchor the mistake in a process failure and help them think about what process they would use in the future. And I'm shamelessly selling phrases you've used before, but I think that's really, really important for someone going forward. You've talked about it before, and everyone knows I'm obsessed with sort of measuring inputs versus outputs. If people can have confidence in the process, even if they haven't got confidence in their skill going forward, They've got a better set of check-ins. They've got a better set of milestones. And they also can be confident about what they're putting into the project. And then eventually results come, right? Yeah, I do. like. I think that sort of piece around process and believing in process. And, and maybe like the processes we have are kind of like the tools we use often in the workplace. Because I, I guess they, they probably are, right? And like many people, I've got no understanding of how an airplane works but I have faith in the tools and processes that they have in place to do that. So I will happily blindly follow hundreds of other people under an airplane to set off for some ridiculous journey because I believe the process is there and I believe the tool is there and I believe I could probably follow some of those checklists to help you know, cross-check for cabin doors or whatever I'd need to do to, to be part of that. And so I think having processes we can have faith in can help us build confidence in what we do. I also think it distances the person from the action, which I think is also super helpful, right? Because it allows them to say, okay, I got this thing wrong, not I was wrong and not I am. I failed. It's I didn't execute the process well enough. Yeah, I really like that. I think that's really, really helpful. And that's something that we see in other places with with other things as well. But that's a lovely point about that separation. If we think about that process piece a little bit, you talked a minute ago about goals and doing some of those goals or reframing goals and having conversations about goals, would you try and bring in like process-related goals and all that kind of stuff with somebody? Would that be something that potentially you'd do? And so, like- so I think you make a really important point about process goals and the power of helping someone build confidence in what they're doing versus the result. So those of you who've heard me sort of rant on about this before, in sports psychology, there is the idea that you can have 
it's not just as straightforward as setting goals. There's also process goals, performance goals, and then result goals, effectively. And the idea is you can control what you do a lot. You can control what gives you as an output a lot, somewhat. And then you can do very little to control the rest of the environment, like who does what. So focus on the stuff you can control is the idea. And I think that's really helpful when you're building someone's confidence because it's reliable and it's countable and it's in their control. I guess the other thing that I was just thinking about, probably my final point on this, is I think it's really important to lean into someone's confident areas. So generally when people lose self-confidence, they don't lose it in everything, right? They lose it in their judgment or they lose it in their ability to manage stakeholders and they lose it in... And that kind of subsumes everything. So for me, leaning into what you know they're good at and they know they're good at and maybe stretching them into a more senior project or stretching them in another way, but in that safe space for them is, I think, really, really helpful. I also think stretching them by supporting them to grow others is a really great way of helping them understand how much more they know about some things. And I've seen that work really effective. Yes, 100% they could use mentoring, but they could also use being a mentor. And I think I've seen some amazing things happen when people who are not feeling at their best, not generally lost confidence, but generally don't have a lot of it. If you give them the skills to be a mentor, suddenly they really start growing confidence themselves. So I think both of those things are helpful. That's a beautiful point. There's so much in that last point about being a mentor and being in that position where you can help others and you realize all the things that you know. And uh, that's a lovely point. I think that's great. All right. Well, I think we should start to sort of end that main little bit. I guess I'd just like to ask, we are doing this as like a live chat. We're exploring it as we go. We're trying to process out loud and think and work out stuff. And I was just wondering, what have you got? Have you got any sort of lessons from this or takeaways or, or reflections to <laughs> chat about? So if you've listened to the other management challenges, you'll know that this is like, at the moment, my favorite format of our podcasts, because every single time I come out of it, I'm like, oh, what about I know. And I just learned so much from it. I guess for me, I hadn't really linked when I'll be completely candid. When I first was thinking about this context, I hadn't linked the, is this even the right place for them to build the confidence link? And you made that link when we're having a conversation just before the call. And I just think it's massive. And I also think until I literally said it out loud, I hadn't thought back to that whole thing. So I did a whole thing where I was like, in my head, I was like, right, they're the team captain, not me. Because I used to work in sport. I was like, they're the team captain, not me. It's their personal learning journey. And I'd totally forgotten all of that until we just talked about it. And I really loved it. I really yeah. loved how much it anchored me as a manager. In this world, I might be the manager, but it's on them. And in a nice, supported way. And so, yes, I guess not learned stuff today, but really pulled back some things yeah. from my past that I really enjoyed and felt helpful. What about yeah, you? Finding those links again, yeah. Similarly, I think I've got some reflections and I guess some sort of reaffirmations of stuff that, that just seems to come up all the time and stuff that I do. And I guess there's a piece about perennial importance of context. There isn't a one-size-fits-all solution to any of this stuff, but understanding context, I think, is key. I think that piece around, as a manager, being honest with yourself and recognizing you've got this dual set of obligations to your people and to your organization, or triple, because you've got yourself in there as well. And just trying to be honest with yourself about the situation and what's practical. I think that's important. And then the last thing that seems to probably be a reflection of where I'm drawn in all our conversations is that the human side of stuff really matters. Underlying all of this is our human skills. You know what? It almost doesn't matter about it being in a workplace. Can we develop some self-awareness? Do we have a sense of an ability to influence our own mindsets and facing the things in a positive way? 
can we speak to each other in ways where we don't like piss each other off and make it worse and you know uh, help people feel better right like a lot of those those skills are so important and trying to develop those skills is great and like so many of those things we kind of need to build that stuff and have that stuff before we need to use it so let's kind of work on that kind of stuff i think is key and keep working on it because it's never you know it's never the end state so i guess that's my reflection uh, if i could echo that last point I feel like I'm on this journey and I feel like it's never ending. Sometimes I wonder if it's like, oh yeah, anyway, I would You'll be in like your next doctorate in like 20 years. You'll be like 85 and turn it up or that's much more than 20 years, obviously, but you know what I mean? You'll be doing like your third one and turn it up at university and all that oh. kind of stuff. It'll be great. Let's not do that. Let's not it's do never that. Never ending. Okay. So that was a lovely conversation. Thank you very much, James. I really enjoyed that. How are you feeling? I really enjoyed it as well. I love kind of thinking in the moment and responding to the questions. And I feel hopeful about those types of situations. And, you know, something that really came out for me is that thing about, is it really the right time for somebody to move on? And all too often we, we frame that as a really bad thing. And it's tough, but sometimes it's great. That freedom and liberation of moving from a place that isn't right to you, where you have lost confidence to a place where people believe in you or align to you and will help you be all the things you can be. I think there's something lovely in that. So I actually feel quite optimistic across that conversation. How about you? Good. Yeah, me too. I feel pretty good after that conversation. So thank you. Well, I think that brings us to the end. Wonderful. Okay, well, that's it from me. So until next time, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. Thanks for listening to this episode. Don't forget, as well as these podcasts, we deliver at least one free online seminar every month that everyone can attend. You can sign up for these and our newsletter, The Wow Mail, on our website www.worldofwork.io That's www.worldofwork.io